1 through 16 or 1016 in the House Bible. So if you are able, if you can stand with us and we will read the passage. 1 Peter 5, 1 through 5. Shepherd of the flock of God. So I exhort you, the elders among you, as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd of the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock of God. And when the When the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourself, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And this is the word of the Lord. So we're going to pray with Kevin here, and then he is going to get started. So thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for this special day and these special servants that are joining the elder team. We pray that this can be an edifying message for all of us, but just a celebratory day as well as we celebrate these new elders. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Welcome once again. Um, We are going to step out of our series um, in Matthew today and look at this section of 1 Peter Sarah mentioned the reception over in the activities building. Um, I had this idea. I said something to my wife, and I was kind of anticipating, you know, a few snacks, and it kind of got really blown up, and so now it's, it's a borderline meal. So if you're wondering, hey, we have little kids, and they're really cranky today because of daylight savings time. I need to get them food. Trust me, there's food. So please, please join us and celebrate afterwards. Um, If you're joining us for the first time this morning, um, you picked a really great day. You're jumping in on an important family gathering, and we're glad that you, you have. According to Scripture, the church is meant to be led by a group of leaders called elders, and today we are going to add two more men to our team. Today's an elder installation Sunday, and these are always fun. I'm going to share a few words from the passage we just read, and then a little bit later, we'll invite those guys up front, and we'll pray them in, and it'll be great. Sarah just read from 1 Peter 5, an important group of verses about the, the eldership, and as we get going, I want us to think first about the author and the encouragement that he gives here. Who wrote this? Well, Peter did. This is 1 Peter again, and I want you to hear what he says again in verse 1. He writes, so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Now think about what our guy Peter could have said. Hey, elders of those churches in Asia Minor, it's Peter here, an apostle of Jesus. Actually, I'm the OG apostle, right, who got to see Jesus transfigured on the mountain, who got to see him after he was raised from the dead. I have some words here that you really have to listen to. He could have said all that. But catch what he actually says. He doesn't call himself an apostle, but he says, I'm a fellow elder, a fellow church leader like you. He doesn't talk about witnessing Christ's glory, at least not yet, but rather his sufferings. And think about that one for a second. When he did see Christ's sufferings, When he saw his Lord on the cross, what did he do after that? Well, Peter betrayed him, right? So he wasn't the great witness, but he brings it up. 
Peter here, he doesn't create distance in this letter, but closeness. He doesn't come across in arrogance, but rather humility. He makes himself vulnerable here. Yeah, he took in Christ's sufferings with his own eyes, and he realized those wounds weren't just for them, they weren't just for us, they were for him, and he had been changed by them. So therefore, Peter can look ahead to the future with confidence, believing, as he says here, that he'll be a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. The apostle here launches with some words of encouragement to men like me, guys like you, Darren, Aaron. God can use humans, sinners like us. In fact, the Lord delights to do this. That's his plan. 2 Corinthians 4 puts it to use jars of clay, earthen vessels, showing that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And the Lord gives us a, an important posture of an elder here. The, the main one, humility, right? There's nothing more important than that. That elders be humble, realizing that we're objects of grace through and through, like that passage in Ephesians we just read. And having that reality impact our ministries day by day. So here are words of encouragement for elders, like our two guys that we're going to bring up here soon today. You don't have to be special. In fact, it's better if you're not. There's also a reminder here for all of Christ's church. Your elders are just guys. They're just men. They're sinners like everyone else. They're human. They're fallen. Yes, they're supposed to be an example, and there'll be more on that in a bit, but they're not perfect, right? I don't feel like very much most of the time. So let me just be vulnerable with you here like Peter, and I would just say, let us open up to you, and I would just say, handle that openness if you could with care. It's for your good, it's for our good, if we're not put up on a pedestal, but can openly, humbly serve you by leading you. Now, there are three main things, though, that I want to call you to in this passage. The first, the calling of elders, second, the manner of elders, and third, the reward of elders. Let's start with the calling. Now, in the New Testament, there are three titles for the same group of men that are called to lead each local church. They're elders, pastors, and overseers. And we see a form, at least, of each of those right here in this passage. And each gives us an angle on the calling of this group of leaders. Elders first. We see that here right in verse 1. Now that, of course, emphasizes the, the spiritual maturity of the team. Now, I don't think that means that the leader has to be older but just mature in, in the faith. It's not a bad idea, sorry Jeff, if the guy has a beard, but it doesn't have to be a white beard. The word pastor means shepherd, and we see that term in verse two. What do shepherds do? They care for the flock. That's what elders or pastors do in the local church. There's so much that I could say here, but I'll just mention, emphasize two things protection, right? Watching out for wolves, keeping the sheep safe. We'll talk about that more next week in Matthew. Protection, provision, feeding the people of God, right? And primarily that refers to teaching. 
we see a form of the third title also in verse two. Peter says that these elders should be exercising oversight. That's the form of the word overseer, which means what it says. You oversee, you watch over God's people. Now, there's an overlap in each of these terms, but this one emphasizes that pastors are truly meant to be leaders and that they serve as the guardians of God's people. So elders, pastors, overseers. Now, one thing I want you to notice, though, before we move on, the the word elders there is plural, right? The church is meant to be led by a group. The church of Jesus isn't meant to be a democracy. It's not meant to be a dictatorship. Christ's family is meant to be led by a group of men called elders or pastors or overseers. So this is your calling, Darren and Aaron, and what Seth and Jeff and I have given ourselves to. Pour out your heart for this calling. Do it for these people that we love so much here. And Karis, I want you to hear this also. There's this idea that authority is bad and that it needs to be bucked against at every turn. And yes, it can be abused, and we're going to see that here in a second. But leadership is good. It comes from God. It's his gift to you. And done well, it can even image him. Well, with that, let's move to the second point, where we see the manner of elders. This is how that calling is meant to be lived out. You probably notice there are three phrases in verses 2 and 3 that begin with not along with a later big but that follows. And they give us three words that contrast how elders should and should not lead. The first two are found in verse two. They first shouldn't lead because they feel like they have to, under compulsion, right? They either guilted into it by other people or pushed into it by some internal drive to prove themselves, no, they serve willingly. They, they sense a call to this. They second shouldn't lead out of a love of money. That's what I, that shameful gain is talking about. Not out of a love for money, but rather out of a love for God, out of a passionate desire to honor him they should serve. Verse three, they third shouldn't lead so that they can push people around, right? Elders shouldn't be bullies, They should be examples for God's people is what it says. Not perfect examples, but still leaders worth following. That phrase, being examples to the flock, you know, it's at the end. It could probably point back to all three of those clauses. And it really sums up how elders are meant to live. And that gets to a key thing that we have to remember about church leadership. It's that character comes first, right? I mean, isn't it easy, though, to see why Peter includes each of these three warnings? You know, they, they go all the way back to his day, but we also see them today. You've, you've seen the headlines. You've listened to the podcasts. Elders pushing people around, pastors profiting off of their sheep, overseers in it for all the wrong reasons. Character is what matters. Darren, Aaron, don't forget this. And do whatever you can to cultivate your relationship with God. Focus on your heart. Let it deepen for him and for his gospel. And friends, Karis, Karis fam, as long as you're here, wherever God takes you, 
resists the urge to just flock around the brightest lights, the greatest talents, the superstars, characters greater than gifting. So pursue those who are humbly trying to lead like Jesus. Here's my third point that I want us to see here in this passage. We see the reward of elders. The reward. This is beautiful. Verse 4, And when the, shep- the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Let's not miss how Peter words this. Jesus is the chief shepherd. He is the ultimate pastor of this church. Not us. Right? Elders serve under him. We have to remember that. But I want you to see the the promise here that's given of this this crown. All the knots we saw above are attempts to run after an earthly reward, right? And that's because I want to argue that the cost of living out this calling is high. Now, this is a bit awkward to talk about. I'm supposed to preach all of Scripture, but it feels weird to talk as a pastor about pastors, um, I asked my wife a couple of times, does this come off weird? You know, it's just like talking about giving. We have to talk about it, right? But the average pastor lasts about three to four years. The stress got so high during the pandemic that a Barna survey found that 42% considered quitting. Church growth expert Tom Rayner predicted that there would be a 20% increase in departures in 2022. I'm not sure if that got lived out or not. Author Dane Ortland, who wrote Gentle and Lowly that many of us read and loved, um, he warned of a tidal wave that was coming of, of pastoral resignations that would be devastating to the church. A recent article on the Nine Mark site entitled, So You Want to Be a Pastor, walked through some of the costs of the calling. We'll save that quote for later, guys. Um, So you want to be a pastor. He walks through the costs. Um, The author, Sean DeMars, starts with the emotional cost of being an elder. It'll nearly crush you without God's strength. The familial cost. You should ask Seth and Jeff just how hard the past couple of years have been, not just on them, but on their families. The spiritual cost DeMars quotes Shai Lin, who says that Satan has special fiery arrows just for elders. Lastly, he mentions the physical costs. You know, he points out, he jokes about those before, after, you know, photos of presidents that you've seen and how it's not that much different for church leaders. You know, the sleepless nights, this constant stress. It leads to a lot of gray hairs and sadly often to expanding waistlines. Trying to work off some pounds from that myself. So you want to be a pastor, guys? No, what I want you to hear, the point is that it's worth it, right? Read that that verse, that promise from Jesus. God says through Peter here that there's a special reward for those who faithfully serve. And I want you to hear that, guys, and cling to the promise that our current team clings to that God sees, he hears, and it'll be worth what it costs. Church, again, again, feel, feel kind of conflicted talking about this. Um, but could I be even more vulnerable here and, and even challenge you a bit? And let me just say, I feel so blessed looking out all of you, at all of you today. Don't misunderstand this. But 
if Satan is about destroying the elder team and God is about rewarding this group of guys, what team do you want to be on? Here's the, here's the full tweet from Ortland that has led to a lot of conversation and panic. That was that quote that was up there earlier. He writes, a tidal wave of pastor resignations is coming in 2022, but that wave can be greatly lessened by the most powerful gift a congregation could give, the ministry of encouragement. Not more vacations and higher salary, but ordinary specific encouragement is what will keep him afloat. So what I, I would encourage you, Carus, as Darren and Aaron jump into this group to try to help them even experience some of the rewards of their service here and now, and to do all you can to not make it harder than it has to be on them. Kind of on that note, as we draw to close here, I want you to think with me about the hearers of these words and the response that God desires. Did you catch verse five? Peter writes, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. What's the Spirit telling us to do here? To submit to your elders. And, and just so you know, that includes me also. To be humble, not proud. To be teachable, not stubborn. To, to put on humility like a finely tailored suit or like a gorgeous dress that makes you look fine, that, that brings out your best features. Garments of pride do not look on, good on the followers of Christ. Be subject. Well, we don't like that word today. Now, this doesn't mean blind obedience. This doesn't mean submitting to sin or stupidity. But just realizing that how you respond to leaders in the church matters. And what matters, not just for pastors and everyone here, is humility. That's what Peter says. The encouragement here isn't to just lead like Jesus, it's to follow like Jesus. What? Follow? Maybe you don't know this. Jesus gave himself to his Father's plan. He prayed in the garden, not my will, but yours, Father. I mean, he's the chief shepherd, but he's also the lamb who gave up his life. And he gives us this ultimate example, not just of leading, but of following. And in submitting to his Father's will, he found what was best for him, but for us. So going back to how I started, we're men, we're sinners, that's for sure. But Karas, we've been given a calling by God. We're trying to hear his voice to lead the best way we can. And God is saying to you, as best as you can, in his strength, try to follow. It'll serve your elders well, but it'll be for your good also. Hear these words from Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Darren and Aaron, you're asking for this congregation to follow you, 
to follow like Jesus. And, and for that reason, by his grace, for his glory, do all you can to lead like him to handle that trust well. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day. And um, we praise you um, for your, your son who, who gave his life for us, this flock, his people, and also leads us, leads us to salvation, leads us to a new heavens and a new earth, to hope and joy. Father, help us all um, to receive that, to rejoice in that um, today. Um, thank you for your word and thank you for your just kindness in, in speaking to us and guiding us by your spirit and, and just give us um, ears to hear, eyes to see. In Jesus' name, amen.